decisive moment. In 325, only a year after he had been advising rival theologians to resolve their differences, Constantine summoned bishops from across the empire, and even beyond, to a council. Its ambition was fittingly imperious, to settle on a statement of belief, a creed that churches everywhere could then uphold. The venue for this great project, the city of Nicaea in the northwest of Asia Minor, was pointedly not a Christian power base. Constantine himself, quote, clothed in raiment which blazed as though with rays of light, welcomed his guests with a display that mingled graciousness with just the faintest hint of menace. and welcome to the These Days podcast. Here we are in the These Days studios. This is Ben and Dwayne. Hello. And uh, we are just enjoying this lovely, lovely day. It out is. In it's the, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful day out yeah. here. Um, and nevertheless, even though it is 70 degrees yes. and it's a nice spring day, yeah. we are wearing our matching These Days sweaters. Yes. Because but I'm an You know why? Why? Because we care, Dad. It's because we-, we care about being true to the process. <laughs> okay, yeah, yes. yeah. I wondered why we were so, doing that, but I'm so if not you care about together. being true to the process, then join us for the, the these days yes. episodes. And in fact, yeah. you might even consider joining our Patreon. Oh, Just yeah. go to Patreon and look at uh, these days the resilient way of Jesus. And join us there um, for as little as uh, really just a, a few dollars a month. You can join us, yeah. and uh, we are getting ready to send out some special thank you gifts yeah. to our subscribers right now. Yeah. The first will be kind of fun, but we'll hold that as a surprise, right? Yeah, they, yeah. they're, they're yeah. going to be quite fun little little thank yous, and uh, and uh, we'll be just you'll be receiving all kinds of goodies and benefits from us over the coming months and years. So please join us on Patreon these days, The Resilient Way of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, with that said, I think we're about ready to dive into... And we're going way back today, aren't we, Dad? We're going way back. We're in the way back. To when you were born or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) You just totally agree with me, man. (laughs) Well, it would be cool to be uh, 1,700 years old, but yeah. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So uh, why don't you tell us what we're talking about? Well, we're talking about the Council of Nicaea, technically the first Council of Nicaea. We'll okay. talk about that a little later. There was a second one because they had to fix something. But uh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We forgot something the first time, guys. Come back. That's right. Yeah. Well, when you're dealing with the subject of who God is, it's it, you're bound to miss something. Oh, so it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't like a wardrobe change or something. No, no, okay. no, no. But yeah, that that cold open was a, a, a quote from. A book called Dominion that was very popular a few years ago. I think it is still high in the charts and nonfiction charts. Uh, by a journalistic historian, I'd call him. Okay, Tom Holland. You know who else that reminds me of a journalistic who? historian? Sounds like a little bit like C.S. or not C.S. Lewis, G.K. Chesterton. Yes. Would you say? I would agree with that. Yeah. In fact, I would. I'd very much agree with that. In fact, I think Tom Holland 
has similar tone to GK. Yeah, Chesterton. I know. I know he likes uh, GK. Oh, does he? Yeah, I, I've heard a reference to that. Well, but, Tom, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we really enjoy uh, your work. Yeah, we're building you up, buddy. I hope somebody gets you to listen. But the thing is, he is not a uh, Christian. He yeah. will tell you that first of all. He's an atheist, but he's sort of a lovable atheist. <laughs> Here, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. As a, come on, come okay. on. Okay, yep. yeah, because yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> because um, he, when he wrote this book in particular, but throughout his study of Christianity, he's had a focus on Christianity because he just can't kick the idea that Christianity there's something there's some sort of power behind it that has created what we call the Western culture. And by, by power behind it, he would he would say small p power. He would yes. say there's some something going on here that, that yeah. has has changed things. There's something very powerful about this. Yeah. But we would say capital P power. Right. We would say there's a there's yeah. an actual power of the divine power behind yes. it. Yeah. But he talks to his uh, in fact in the beginning of the book he talks to his um his atheistic friends. Yeah. And says, look, these people who say that it was all a bunch of smoke and mirrors and that, you know, somehow it was just a matter of force and who had the most biggest armies and all this stuff, it's just not true because there's no way for this to have lasted this long. Sure. He said something is real about this. And um, so anyway, good well, for him. To be clear, he's yeah. not he's not saying something's real. Like he's not saying he might be a believer. No, but he's making noises like there's something else going on here that is beyond our understanding. Got it. So he's not crossing the line, but he's getting his tippy toes right up to it. So <laughs> how do well, you like that Tom, for a theological statement? Tom, yeah. if you're listening, we really we bless your tippy toes. Yes, we do. <laughs> may, they, may they cross the line. And really enjoy your writing and your podcast, yeah. which we might talk about later. But anyway, uh, so um, uh, the, the, the reality is, is that uh, this, this Nicene Council... Um, is something that still affects us today, whether Christians know it or not, because the theology and the statement of faith that they came up with is something that everybody else, for centuries now, right up until today, if you're a Christian, you just take it for granted. In fact, most people not that aren't Christians take it for granted that this is what Christianity is. And and uh, what's interesting, though, is that, uh, you know, we don't have um, flesh and blood enemies. We're told in the Bible, as Christians, you're not supposed to have be enemies with people flesh and blood, but there are principalities and powers, okay? And I, and I, it, because of that, um, you can kind of tell in this story about the Nicene Council that there was some sort of power out there that didn't really want them to come up with this and get together on it. And it's still true today. Books are still being written trying to discount the Nicene Creed. I mean, if you go on uh, Amazon, you can find a whole bunch of them. Yeah. It's it's very, very interesting. And, and the Nicene Council that, you know, that, that they... They sort of dig in and say, you know, it was a power trip for Constantine, which that's partly true. Uh, but, you know, it's sort of like the louder the calls, the more there might be something real there. Yeah, I, uh, I know so. I know personally at least one person who's written a book challenging pieces of the Nicene yeah. Council. Yes, I do. <laughs> and he I know, claims I, it's true. I yes. do, too. I yes. do, too. I know, I know, some, I know somebody uh, that I don't think you know who has recently oh, you published do. a book wow. yes, claiming that... <laughs> Part of it, and I just I read the I read the manuscript, and I said, you know, this is really interesting. Um, 
It's amazing that you discovered something that all those bishops and cardinals <laughs> yeah. seem to have missed. In thousands of years. In thousands of, of years yeah. of, of different yeah. investigative <laughs> theologians. And, yeah. uh, but we digress. But but really, it's it's risen up again over the last 60 years. That's so, true. Yeah. So no wonder uh, you know somebody wants to get on that bandwagon. But let me just talk about the where, the why, and the when, what, what actually happened. So it starts really with Constantine. Constantine is the Roman emperor. Uh, he comes to power about 313 AD, I think. And uh, his wife is on him constantly. They become a Christian. He has these dreams about uh, that, you know, calling him to become a Christian. And it says if you put uh, crosses on his shields of his army, he'll win this really important battle. Because, uh, you know, it was like the Wild West. Not only... Um, not only um, in terms of the uh, Roman Empire at that time, but it was like the Wild West, just even in Christianity, because there was this belief and that belief and the other belief, and people were just, you know, my belief, my interpretation's right. No, my interpretation's right. And there was some pretty wacky sort of Gnostic uh, stuff coming out. And so uh, Constantine that wakes sound, up. That sounds like uh, the theological social media sphere right there, the Wild yeah, West. My yeah, opinion's it is. right. That's no, my exactly, opinion's see, right. what goes around comes around. It's just not that different. And uh, but uh, Constantine goes out there, puts crosses on his sword or on his shields of his army, which I think were like red crosses, that or white, I can't remember which. So he puts it on there, and um, he uh, he wins this huge battle that he wasn't supposed to win. And so all of a sudden, he says, "Okay, I'm a Christian." Okay. Now he still dabbles with other stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, what what an interesting way to convert. Yes, yes. Everything was about power in that situation. I I mean, some people question that story too, don't they? Some people say that uh, he made up the story about the dream after the fact. Yeah. That there are really other reasons he decided. No, no, but you're right. But his wife was a genuine article. I I think he was too. It's just he just. Couldn't help himself. Was it his wife that built all a bunch of those churches in the Middle East? Exactly, like the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And she stuff? went to Jerusalem in the early 300s and said, "Okay, where was, where did it happen? Where did the crucifixion happen? Where was the, um, uh, the, the tomb? All that stuff." And she built churches, a Church of Holy Sepulchre, uh, several things. She called wow. out. Yeah, so good for her. I mean, that wasn't that easy. You know, she was must have been a very daunting woman, but. Uh, so, so he also takes on the head of the church in that sense because he thinks the, the emperor, you know, there's always sort of overseen the church. I mean, there, the the popes weren't quite popes yet. There were, you know, the bishop of Rome and all that. And you, so like the, sorry to keep interrupting, That's but right. like so like the emperor is is sort of also in charge of the Roman polytheistic yeah, temple system, sort of like the uh, British uh, queen, okay, or king. But but but. But they hadn't been Christian yet. The emperors hadn't been. No, right? not no, not to this point. No. So they, yeah, so they had been like head of state and head of the the temple pagan. Cult. In fact, Julian the Apostate comes on right after Constantine and tries to reverse everything. Uh, great, <laughs> poor guy. He only lasted three years. But anyway, so so uh, the uh, he's the head of it, but he's got this steep learning curve because he's clueless about Christianity. Sure. So he, what really disturbs him is it, what bothers him is all this infighting about what belief is. I mean, they had their Bibles, the New Testament, you know, all those writings and that sort of thing, but but they didn't really have it pulled together in terms of, okay, what does it actually say and what are our statements of belief? And here's a quote from Augustine that's uh, kind of interesting. He says, when he was really frustrated with all the bishops that were fighting back and forth, he says, when all this subtle wrangling of yours is over, questions of little or no significance, why worry about harmonizing your views? 
Why not instead consign your differences to the secret custody of your own minds and thoughts? <laughs> In other words, put a lid on it. Yeah, that's right. And then he says, it matters not how you worship, but what you worship. So, I mean, he, he was sort of like, you know, it's like, I've had enough of this. And so he calls this council in 325 in the Bithynian city of Nicaea. Bithynia was like right up there, you know, where the like Turkey uh, to the north of Turkey is the Black Sea. Mm -hmm. Well, right between the Black Sea and what is nowadays Turkey. I mean, well, right along the edge of that Black Sea right there, that's where Bithynia was. Okay. And it was not a bastion of Christianity at all. Okay. Uh, which I think probably that was by design. So they have this ecumenical council, and um, their job is to come to a consensus that can be used throughout the church, of, uh, and it represents all Christian, Christendom, specifically about the nature of Christ and uh, all these interpretations about it. The, the nature, like who is and what is Jesus? Yeah, like is he just a prophet, or what does the scripture teach, that sort of thing. Okay. Right? Uh, and... It's headed up by this guy. I, I kind of looked him up too. But we don't have time to go down this this trail, but I love his name. I got to say it, Hosius of Corduba. Wow. Yeah. I'm not sure why you didn't name me Hosius. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, you should be thankful. But um, your mom really wanted to. But but the <laughs> nice. Yeah. But uh, Corduba was like a big trade city and so forth. So he was like the bishop of a, a pretty big deal. And he presides over it, and he had the philosophy of um, uh, what is Latin term husius, which is um, which talks about uh, oneness or the essence of something. Okay. So this that's important for later. So so what their job is is to come to a conclusion about the Christological issue. That is, who is Jesus? Who is the na What is the nature? The divine nature of the Son of God? What does that mean? And uh, his relationship to God the Father, like how does that work? See, they did, nobody talked about Trinity at this point. Right, Trinity is all over the Bible, but the word's not there. Right, so that's uh, 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 not until a little later. In fact, it's uh, to the Second Council they actually kind of land on that word. But um, so in this first Nicene Council, they also come up with uh, the date for Easter. Okay, which we're still. We're, that's following. still what we follow yeah. as far as when we observe yeah. Easter. Yeah. Wow. So all these uh, orthodox things. So if you really like all those chocolate eggs and stuff, you can thank the Nicene Council guys. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that's awesome. Cad Cadbury has built an entire empire <laughs> yeah. on, on the Nicene Creed. Yeah, well, and so have the uh, uh, the uh, opposition to the Nicaea Council. <laughs> so okay, fair. It's 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 made its it's risen its head. You know, the opposition to this is raising its head time and time again, every couple of generations. Sure. But sometimes it gets traction, sometimes it doesn't. But the, here are the two big controversies and heresies they were going after. One was, the big one was Arianism. Right. And by a guy named Arius, who lived in 250 to 336. So he's just barely still alive. He'll, he'll die a year later after this council. But he's the instigator of this, and the, the, the Arianism is the belief that Jesus was a created being, like dame, like the uh, humans or angels or demons and that sort of thing. You know, the demons are fallen right. angels, and so, in other words, not equivalent to God the Father. Okay. So that that was a huge heresy, and that's why they had to call this council. <clears throat> and the other heresy was by the Donatists, uh, by uh, named after a guy named Donatus, which he's an interesting one because he lives from. Uh, early uh, 315, uh, so, uh, you know, 
Constantine's been around a while, and he, okay. he's this is a young guy. But then he dies in 355 in exile. At the he, age of, what, 40? Yeah. Wow. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I mean, but here's the thing. He's from North Africa in the city of Carthage. He's the bishop of Carthage. You know who okay. else is there? Augustine. From? Augustine was from Carthage, yeah. Yeah. So we talked about him in a podcast a, a little while before. But his problem was the heresy of perfectionism. And what that means is not with regard to Christ per se, but that somehow Donatist argued that Christian clergy, bishops and pastors, that sort of thing, must be faultless in their ministry to be effective and their prayers and sacraments to be valid. And he was going around and his his sort of troops were going around and kicking out all these bishops and putting wow. them in exile because they, they got something fouled up or they missed the prayer or wow. something like that. So. Uh, That's so interesting. I because those two things you you kind of think like, well, why are those a big deal? Yeah. Until you see like how they might be played out yeah. in real time. Yeah. And and I think <laughs> I think both Arianism and uh, Donatism are pretty uh, are are still um, yeah. thriving. Yeah. Because I, I think of a lot of Arian like Christians I know who yes. veer towards Arianism by thinking of. Um, really, really like the the human side of Jesus and less of the authoritative yeah. divine nature of Jesus. We like the warm, fuzzy puppy side of Jesus. Sure, I mean, and yeah. he, well, even whatever it has to do with his human side, and and I think uh, there's a there's a sense in which, um, you know, I, I don't know enough about this. He gets us campaign that's oh, yeah, popular right, right now, yeah. mm-hmm. but but um, but there's a sign. There's a there's a there's a desire, a natural draw to try to make Jesus a bit more. Um, understandable mm-hmm. and a bit more human and less maybe um, intimidating, uh, which is well and good because we want or people accessible. To with, yeah. yeah, we mm-hmm. want him to be accessible, and and yet sometimes can't we veer into? Uh, yeah, if we're not careful. Yeah, like the the real spiritual experience is kind of whatever exists in my own head, and the Jesus mm-hmm. guy said some nice things. Right, that seems to me to be connected to Arianism, and then also this Donatism. I know a lot of Christians who, especially with all the recent failures of church leaders mm-hmm. who uh, have just decided, well, maybe yeah. church leaders are bogus all yeah. across the board. <laughs> or those church leaders who are deconstructing and deciding, you know, no, it's really all about the human thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there seems to be a, uh, it's, it's sort of an all or nothing mentality with a lot yeah, of that's right. uh, Christian leaders where people say like, well, if they're not perfect, then the whole thing's bogus. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or if they're not perfect, I'm going to deconstruct the whole thing. Or you know they better pretend to be perfect for them to have any validity. I think that one's alive and well for yeah. sure. Oh sure, it yeah. is. I've had people in church, not recently, by the way, for the, anybody from where I am at church, uh, <laughs> not recently, but have come up to me and said, "You said Jesus is uh, God, right?" I said, "Yeah." You know, people that are like claim to be Christians yeah, for yeah, years. Yeah. They, they, no, he's not. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> okay. like, wait, 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 wait. That's kind of like a core thing. I thought and, you were going to say you had people come up to you and be like, well, you're not perfect, so I don't have to listen to what you say. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got a lot of that too. Yeah. So that's, uh, I, I call them Donatist, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It might then, just, might just be just, that I'm a mistaken person. Then so. they just look really confused and wander <laughs> away. What's a Donatist? Yeah, that's right. That sounds like something you do to your teeth. But, oh my gosh. <laughs> we digress. Orthodontist. Anyway. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry, any oh dentists gosh, or orthodontists no. out there. Really? Come on. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so it is very up-to-date, all, all this stuff. And the the modern uh, sort of uh, renderings of this claim that, you know, 
uh, Husius and some of these other bishops and Constantine were just trying to put the smack down on these people. And that's just not true. I mean, the vast majority of them, they, they spent a whole month together hammering this Nicene Creed out. What does it really mean? And, you know, words matter. And they were being real careful with the words. They were checking the scriptures. They're bringing all that in. As, and and the, you, you got to realize, I mean, this is a situation where, you know, we're used to having this, this information, this theology all put together and everything else. And it makes total uh, sense the way we, uh, when we read the scripture, uh, because we're reading it through that lens, but these guys had nothing. They, they didn't even, um, you know, they, they didn't have it, the theology all put together at all. They had these documents, these New Testament documents that they followed, and they, 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 they believed they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, but they, they um, didn't, you know, the church people or, or, or these bishops didn't have sort of a central, okay, what is the core of the faith? What are the what are the essentials uh, versus the non-essentials? You know, and that's why they got to fighting over all kinds of silly stuff. Like you know, Bishop uh, Lewis from the town over made a mistake, so let's kick him out. That kind of thing. That's <laughs> Bishop Lewis. Donatus. Yeah. Definitely. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I was I, I was going to say some other silly name, but it, um, anyway, B- Bishop Screw Louis. Yeah, Screw Louis. <laughs> as you like to say B- Bishop Bobo. But anyway, oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> oh boy, we are digressing today. But Ooh. anyway, and handling important matters, so we better get right. back. Yeah. So you know, actually, um, they 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 spent thorough time in the scriptures, and you know, back and forth, and hammering it out. And you can imagine these guys; they didn't have microphones, but okay, Bishop So and So, you stand up and per se, and you stand up and per se, and these speeches and stuff, and you know, sort of. Um, uh, they came to a consensus on point by point, bit by bit, over the course of the, the entire month. Was, was this also the council where they sort of decided what the New Testament books consisted of? Because they had so many writings floating around. Yeah. And was this also where they kind of said, these are the ones that are authoritative in the in the canon yeah yeah they, they, because they were talking about the the canons and the declaration of belief so okay. it, it was natural for them to sit in there and i i believe this is the council where they said okay the the criteria in the new testament is someone who has been with jesus or has a direct uh you know apostolic authority from jesus okay uh, like paul okay yeah, so yeah so that they didn't willy-nilly do that either uh so um, but anyway, uh, so it was a declaration of belief, uh, that was proclaimed to, to be universal. And the first Nicene council, the one in 325, here's what they came up with, with about Jesus, that, uh, Jesus was one substance that is one substance with the, the, the father that is, uh, one essence or one substance with, uh, the father Christ. And, um, so it proclaimed him as the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, from God, <clears throat> not made though, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made. So that was the challenge to uh, Arianism. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, they had a situation where they, if you read the original Nicene Creed from the First Council, um, it says like one sort of throwaway line about the Holy Spirit. Okay. So they had to get together again um, in uh, 381, <laughs> and they added a piece. We're like, wait, guys, one guy yeah. wasn't in yeah. a group photo. Talk about being in error and having to get kicked out. <laughs> I mean, here, here you go. But, but here's, here's what it says. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, 
who proceeds from the Father through the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. Wow, that's very concrete, <laughs> very yeah, yeah, like yeah. specifically. Just give it, believe. Yeah. yeah, and dialed it in and made it very clear, right? Yeah. So, and it hadn't been clear before. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm just going to read the entire Nicene Creed here. Okay. And um, we don't usually do that on the podcast. Great. But Ben, you've got your backward collar on today, so I think this will work just well. For the really backward. Well. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Check that out on the, the, the video if, you ever, <laughs> if we ever post it. But anyway, uh, I'm just going to read through this, and uh, you can see all of these things coming together and how sort of the arguments worked and then how the, the scriptures that fit in. Uh, it doesn't have scripture references to it like we did to, we do today, but it was meant to be like, um, well, like somebody being able to hear a Christian song or a hymn. That has all this theology in it. Right, it sort of gets in your head. Yeah, and so these people would memorize this, and it would pass it to person to person across the countryside and so forth. And this is how it came down to us. And just listen to this, if this isn't just what you think Christianity is about Christ. So here we go. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made, that's through Jesus, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made human. So he's fully God, and he's fully human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again, according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit. This is the second part now. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic apostolic church, Catholic being universal church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's pretty, I mean... Yeah, that seems it's, natural and normal, but when you re, when you think about it in the well, context, it's sort of comforting too. Yeah. Really, I mean, in, in our context where we live, it does seem kind of it's it is, does seem natural and normal uh, if you're steeped in that world yeah. like we are. But I also think you know I have one foot in a very secular world, yeah, and I think um, this sounds very stark and a little uncomfortable because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's so it's so. Uh, uh, it's it's everything that people roll their eyes at Christians for believing. That's right. It's and it's very explicit about who God is, who Jesus is, yeah. what Jesus did, right. and and to affirm this, it's it's no wonder that they had to put it in writing because it's so easy to want to emphasize certain things and not other things. You and know? it's not like it was made yesterday. We just yeah, you know, we just didn't just come up with it. And to like to to be clear for our listeners and for, for me, is it true that like um, I imagine. And I think I think what I understand about the world this comes out of 
so the 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 New Testament writings are already in circulation. They're already widely read. Oh and yes. they're, they're already they're already yeah. considered inspired works of scripture. That was true by the before the end of the uh, first century. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even though these guys um, are sort of talking about which books are and aren't inspired, yeah. there's pretty much already a consensus. And a yeah. lot of these things, they're dealing with heresies mm-hmm. that are gaining traction, but the majority of people are, and, and, and leaders in the church and Christians themselves are, are they, they would have, from day one of the council, said, yeah, this yeah. is what it should be. I so, mean, with those criteria, it's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because the Gospels, everybody's going to agree on that. Right. Uh, the... Book of Acts was written by Luke. So, was eyewitness accounts. Yeah, I guess what I'm Peter saying is, says like, Paul was inspired. This isn't this isn't new. This is they no. aren't they aren't inventing a new theology. No, they were very careful not to yeah, invent anything. They're they're cataloging what is already known right. to be true, right. which is so I think so uh, helpful for me to realize in our culture of novelty. Even mm-hmm. in the church, we have this no, culture good point. of novelty. I got to say the new thing or yeah. something original yeah. about faith, mm-hmm. and these guys had the opposite goal. Let's get together, not to say something new, but to put in writing and catalog what is already known to be true. Yes. And I think that's, uh, as as much as everyone agreed, though, it must have still been... Like I would have loved to be a fly on the wall when yeah. some when Ar- yeah. when Arius is debating yeah. Augustine or something, yeah. you know I mean? something crazy. Because yeah. I mean, they're obviously the different age, different time, but yeah. they could have cared less about Andy Warhol's fifteen minutes of fame. You know, <laughs> I mean, they just. They just let her re- what they thought to be true, and that what they believed from the reading the scriptures. That's what they did. I think uh, so. Arianism is like uh, anti-Trinity, basically. Absolutely. And uh, and I think it was Augustine or somebody who was at this meeting. I was reading in another book that I mentioned in books and stuff. Uh, basically, in in response to him, said something about um, uh, not only is the Trinity true and a true doctrine, but it is it is to to believe in the. To be a Christian is to believe in the Trinity, and if you don't believe in the Trinity, there is no way you can be a Christian. Yeah. And then it goes on this long rant about like, basically how Arian is, Arius is not even uh, a believer. Yeah, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> can you yeah. imagine being no. being totally dressed yeah. down by Augustine? I like don't that? know. I don't know if he was there or not, but uh, or by somebody. When, I, when Augustine him, did yeah. go after it, uh, it was like, well, shoot. In fact, Augustine did have to ultimately send the troops in to Carthage, his home. You mean? Augustine did or yeah. Constantine did? Uh, Constantine sent them, but they yeah. got kicked back out. They got pushed out, and they weren't trying to. They weren't supposed to like take people out or anything that didn't believe right. What they were trying to do is bring the the uh, Nicene Creed and the the these teachings that this is the uniform thing of the church, and that and it was such a wild west. They needed the the bishops that were bringing it back needed protection. Wow! So Augustine had to send more of Constantine's troops from Rome itself crossed the water to Carthage. Wow. So, I mean, that must have sort of broke his heart. But if I know anything about Augustine, he was pretty, uh, pretty uh, uh, tough guy. He was I mean, stalwart. St- stalwart. A yeah, stalwart I, fellow. Yes, he's, he's like, enough of this, that kind of thing. But anyway, I digress. This, that, that is one thing about this whole business that is a cultural moment for that time. That's not a good idea, and that is mixing government stuff with uh, your faith. But right, uh, that's how it was at the time, and and there was no, there was no unity, and so we can thank Augustine and Constantine and uh, Husius. Is that how his, his name? Husius. Something like that. Uh, uh, he thank all of those people for bringing things together uh, yeah. into one place. Yeah. Well, as much as we can celebrate the Council of Nicaea, to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. That these days podcast is not saying that 
a po- political leader should bring together church yeah. councils to no. decide these questions and no, mix no, politics no. and faith. No, nope, yeah. that's a sign to run. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and that's that one thing that Constantine kind of stumbled on, is, as Holland said, this is a quote from a part quote from Holland. What he, what he stumbled upon is that true religion has less to do with ritual and uh, this is Holland's quote, fumigating altars with incense <laughs> than it is with correct belief. I mean, it's about belief more yeah. than it is about the things we do. And uh, I, I love what uh, Dorothy Sayers about, says about these things, about uh, uh, doctrine. She's not talking specifically about the Council of Nicaea, but this is a great quote I just can't resist uh, kind of ending on here. She says in a... Uh, essay she wrote called The Greatest Drama Ever Staged. She says, official Christianity of late has been having what is known as bad press. (laughs) We are constantly assured that the churches are empty because preachers insist too much upon doctrine. Dull dogma, as dull dogma, as people call it. The fact is the precise opposite. It is the neglect of dogma that makes for dullness. The Christian faith is the most exciting drama that ever staggered the imagination of man, and the dogma is the drama. That drama is summarized quite clearly in the creeds of the church, like the Nicene Creed. And if we think it dull, it is because we either have never really read those amazing documents or have recited them so often and so mechanically that we have lost all sense of their meaning. That's great. Yeah. That's a great description. Yeah, really good. So, yeah. And I, think, I and I love that cuz she I don't think she's saying dogma like dogmatism. Nope. But I think she's saying dogma that's, like That's a error. Yeah, right like there. the high the just the high um excitement and adventure of yeah. All dogma it, and yeah. doctrine, those words all they mean is teaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I I love the way she says um the greatest drama that ever staggered the human <laughs> yeah, imagination. That's right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, for me is a wrap. Ben. I think yeah. I think we've wrapped our yeah. best. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, wrapped. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess it's that time. What time is that? Books and stuff. Books and stuff. What do you got for books and stuff, Dad? All I got is just that that book, uh, Tom Holland. If you feel like tackling a book, uh, five hundred and fifty page book. Yeah, it's big. Yeah, it's big. Uh, it's good though, and it's not gonna. It's not going to uh, sort of inspire your Christian uh, senses, uh, per se, but it is a great uh, sort of articulation of parts of Christian history that we don't know about and we, we've forgotten all about. Yeah, it's, it's basically uh, Christian history from somebody who doesn't believe in Christianity. Right. right. Yeah. And he's, he uh, shares with us, uh, I mean, stuff that we, some of it we'd rather not know that Christians did. Yeah. But if you look at it and take it as a whole, you see what he sees, and that is this steady line, this thread that runs all through history up until right now uh, that carries it along. And part of that story is the uh, Nicene Creed, Nicene Council. And the other thing I'd say is this, this book I just read from Dorothy Sayers. Uh, it's called Letters to a Diminished Church, and that article is the first article in it. Uh, she inspires uh, my socks off. I, I love listening to Dorothy Sayers because she just... Is that why you don't have socks on? I was wondering. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dorothy. So, yeah. Oh, just trying to be hip there, Ben. Okay, but uh, <laughs> what else you got? I was just going to mention uh, something I've mentioned years ago on the podcast, or a year or more ago on the podcast, um, a book 
you know, the big part of the uh, Council of Nicaea was the doctrine of the Trinity, mm. and um, and there's a book called Delighting in the Trinity that references. Oh yeah, I thought about that. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. References the uh, the Council of Nicaea a few times, uh, and and also a lot of the controversies around Arianism. Yes. Uh, but the uh, the book as a whole is basically just about the Trinity and why. The doctrine of the Trinity actually is what makes Christianity make sense. Yeah, it was a eye-opening book for me, but also um, written so fun. It's very fun to read. Yeah. yeah, and it's a pretty pretty short read as well. It's called "Delighting in the Trinity" by Michael Reeves. Uh, a very good book. Yep. Yeah. Great. Well, I think uh, I am so thankful people have been listening. And uh, if you are listening right now, thank you, and uh, spread the word to other people. Yeah, and uh, I think. For that, uh, we'll be going now.